I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, it's cold open time. Cold open. Who wants to say that line? Peter? Jordan, what the hell are you talking about? So we've got so much show. Yeah. I, I thought that was your line. Yeah. <laughs> it's an even better cold open here. <laughs> it is cold open time, but we have so much material for the show. We don't need a cold open. Eight to shoot. Paul, the runner. Loose ball. It's good. With 4.4 to go. Shannon. Don't want to fall. Shannon from the corner. And it's over. Gonzaga. The flipper still fits. The cry goes up both far and near for underdog, underdog, underdog. Joe Namath, number 12, has been the one big sideline. He's come down here and he says the Jets are going to win. In fact, he doesn't even predict it. He says, I guarantee a Jet victory. Oh my kid, I ain't even in the guys' league. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. Underdog, Underdog. They're bigger, faster, stronger, more experienced, and on paper, they're just better. Oh my goodness! The longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby! Red strike and a stunning, unbelievable upset! Shock it all in college basketball! Underdog! Underdog! I expect you boys to go out there and not take this team lightly because I promise you, they're going to come at you with everything they've got. Nobody's ever gone the distance with Creed. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow, up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Hey, George, the dream is alive. Speed of lightning, roar of thunder, fighting all who rob or plunder. Underdog, underdog, underdog. Well, then I guess there's only one thing left to do. Win the whole fucking thing. All right, it is an exciting week for everyone in the civilized world because it is football season. That's right. By the time you're listening to this podcast... We will already have had a Thursday night NFL game, big Sunday of football waiting on the horizon, and man, do we have a lot of stuff to talk about today. Joining us in a little while will be Jason Lisk of Team Rankings slash Pool Genius to talk about survival pools and the proper strategy to win them. We've got some long shot NFL MVP and Super Bowl picks. We're also going to go back to some college football, look at the teams that we identified as potential long shots before the season, how they started their season, and what we learned from a busy week one. But first, guys, we have a game. Yeah, let's get into it. What is the game? I love games. We're going to do this every week. It's called... Is it Hot Fuzzy Balls? Hot Fuzzy Uh, Balls every week? It has nothing to do with your damn balls again, Peter. Jeez. That worked out pretty well, though, I have to say. But go, please. Proceed. It is the cleverly named Dogs of the Week. Here's how it's going to work. Each week, Tom, Peter, and I... We'll draft two teams, two underdogs on the NFL schedule. The only teams that are eligible have to be an underdog by 3.5 points or more. 
if. No, don't explain the whole scoring system. Due to an incredibly complicated scoring system that Jordan, Tom, and various nuclear treaty negotiators hammered out. It's not that complicated. Why are you talking? All right. All Go right. back and play with some hot Here it is. fuzzy balls. Here's so everybody can play along at home. Go ahead. If the team covers the spread as an underdog of three and a half or more, you get one point. If the team wins outright, two points. And the bonus. If the team happens to be an underdog of seven and a half points or more, and they win outright, that's right. You get three points. What a game. Are you guys excited? I'm ready. Yeah. Let's go. Let's do it. And I'm ready to get started. Wait, what the hell is that? Surprise, surprise. I'm starting a new game. That's Vet the Bet. Let's go. game show on the intranets. I'm your host, Tom Haverstraw, and this is the game where I research the history of a particular bet. I'm going to ask you about it, and you tell me which is the correct answer. Our contestants today, as always, we have Jordan Brenner bringing it up the rear, and then we have Peter Keating. I don't know what the scoreboard is, but that's beside the point. It is time to bet the bet. Are you ready? Yay. I am ready, and I think I'm still winning, but that's okay. We forgot to score. It's, I guess it's okay. <laughs> Maze is 1-0, oh, though. Yeah, Maze won last week. Here we go. As we head into the NFL's Week 1 games, there are plenty of hungry underdogs on the slate. I wanted to know. In the last 10 seasons, if you bet $100 on the underdog for each of the 159 games, how much money would you have won? This is against the spread, I should say. Against the spread, picking the underdog, $100 on each game. Is it A, you win $916? Is it B, you win $691? Is it C, you lost $196? Or D, lost $691? Or E, lost $916? So, and this is over how many games? 159. 10 years worth of week one picks. Is it? 916, is it 691, or is it you lose 196, you lose 691, or you lose 916? Put in your guesses, Peter. I'm going to ask you first. I will guess option C. You lose a small amount of money. $196. You've locked it in. C, losing $196. Peter, you have had your voice heard. Jordan, what is your answer? This may be recency bias because of what happened last year, which we'll talk about in a moment. But I'm going to go with option B. $691. Jordan, you have pressed in your answer. The answer is... Do I get points for being way closer than Peter and at least having a profit? No, you don't get a participation <laughs> trophy here. It's either wow. you win or you don't, Jordan. Wow. According to NBC Sports Edge Bet Finder, the underdogs went 86 
69 and four against the spread over the last 10 seasons, which equates to a 55.5% winning percentage, which gives you, if you're betting $100 on each round, $916 in profit. The biggest payday would have come last year when the underdogs went 12 and four against the spread, and you would have won a whopping $691. That's where I got the B answer, 691 which is also 916 jumbled. Um, almost all of that cash over the last 10 seasons came in just in that year alone. Yeah, see, I thought, I thought that would have washed away over the 10-year period because that was pretty, yes. pretty notorious, but I didn't think it would stay above zero. And the yeah. amazing thing about last year wasn't just the performance against the spread. I think nine underdogs won outright. One so if you were betting yeah. the money line last year, you would have won $650. You would have walked away with $650 if you bet the money line. So they did win nine times, but I guess it wasn't an extreme amount of long shots on those nine wins. But just wait, there's more. There's more? Two years ago, underdogs went seven and nine, but that's the worst they've done in any season. Think about that. In the last 10 years, the worst that the underdogs have done against the spread is seven and nine, okay? Against the money line, you didn't fare as well. If you bet $100 on the money line, you'd only come up with $233 over the last 10 seasons. That's enough to buy a nice steak dinner for your significant other, but certainly not worth risking what $16,000 <laughs> on betting the money line for a payoff of 233 bucks. Yeah. You won't have a significant other if you're betting that much for a $230 payoff. But what's most interesting here, guys, it's something you should think about as you go into week one, the type of underdog that does well in week one, Looking at the touchdown or more underdogs, that is seven points or more, the results skew heavily toward the Davids versus the Goliaths. Since 2012, touchdown or more underdogs in week one are 24 and 12 against the spread, a win percentage of 66.7%, netting you $984, which means that betting the underdog inside a touchdown spread would be a losing bet. So it's not worth betting the money line on these things on the touchdown or more because it would have lost you $692 over the last 10 years. And I know what you're thinking. Here are the touchdown or more dogs heading into week one, fellas, because I do think we have to go for some weekly dog picks. And one of those picks is going to be the Texans plus seven at home versus the Colts, or it's going to be the Jets plus seven at home against the Ravens, or it's going to be the Bears plus seven at home versus the 49ers. Those are three of the touchdown or more long shots on week one. How do you feel about them? Well, what's interesting is we don't have anyone who's more than a touchdown. Seven is the highest spread now. So we have no one who can qualify for that extra point bonus if they win outright. Which is a bummer. I kind of want that. Yeah, which is too bad. It's coming. I don't want to raise or lower the, the, the hoop based on the week. So we're just going to continue keeping the threshold. So the seven-point underdogs are all the negatives of a huge talent gap without any of the pluses of being underestimated by the market. So that's... That's an unfortunate way to start this season, but that's all right. So here's how this is going to work, okay? We're going to do a snake draft. We're each going to pick two teams. Because my last name is first alphabetically, I will go first. Followed by Tom, who will have picks two and five, and Peter, three and four. Then we'll change the order next week, and on and on and on. Mays will keep track of the points. You'll all make fun of us on the Twitter. So with the first pick in the history of 
the weekly dog dog of the week contest. I'm not going to go with one of the seven point favorite or seven point dogs, despite Tom's excellent data. I'm going to go down all the way a half a point to a team getting six and a half points on the road against a divisional rival. That's right. I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers plus six and a half at mm, Cincinnati. Wow. Why? Well, we know historically Super Bowl runner-ups have, have tended to struggle the following season, but that's not even really what it's all about. I think Pittsburgh is going to be a much improved team. I think they're going to have better quarterback play. I buy some of the Mitch Trubisky hype that you heard about in Buffalo last year as a backup. I think they've got good receivers in Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Chase Claypool. Najee Harris is a heck of a back, and that defense can rush the passer. I think they're on par for a strong season. So give me the Steelers plus six and a half to start this thing off. Not a bad pick. I looked at them significantly. However, I am not going to go with that one or I didn't have them at number one on my board here. I'm going to actually go with the Bears. The Bears are plus seven at home versus the 49ers. I think the Jimmy G bringing him back is going to get in Trey Lance's head. Maze is already yelling at me in the chat. Boo. Well, guess what? I think the Bears are underrated coming into this season. I love Justin Fields, his talent. I think they are going to be much better offensively. Allen Robinson is out of the picture. Darnell Mooney is going to shine. May not have anything to do with the fact that I have him on my fantasy team. Alas, I think the Bears plus seven. And we love Allen Robinson on the show. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm taking the Bears because Allen Robinson is out of the picture. Yeah, well, what is that what all the, about? What the hell does that even mean? It was, you know, kind of a Russell Westbrook situation there. It was kind of <laughs> awkward. Like the the older veteran who's getting surpassed by his his teammates and he's just kind of like, F this. I'm 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 not wanted here. I think that the the Bears are gonna cover and they may even win outright against the 49ers in Chicago. Good luck with that. Next up, Keating, you go twice. I will take a game that I think is going to be close in a game that's close and messy. I'm going to take the Raiders. This, the line has moved strongly in the Raiders' favorites now at three and a half. I think this these teams hate each other. I know that the uh, Raiders won a lot of close games last year and are due for regression. But, of course, they've added Devontae Adams. They beat the Chargers last year in a game where – Everything mattered uh, for a playoff spot in the last game of the season. J.C. Jackson, the Chargers cornerback, is hurt. And I think that's going to spell a lot of trouble. The latest word is that he's not going to play. I know Jordan disagrees with this next reason. um, But I think that the fact that Josh Jacobs has not had his contract extended means the Raiders are going to squeeze him like a lemon and burn him up like a cheap cigar and give him the rock until he drops And that is going to work in their favor early in the season. I don't know if that will last or if it will work out later in the season. But I expect him to get a lot of carries in the first month of the year. First of all, the more they give him the rock instead of throw the ball, the better that is for the Chargers. Second of all, I can't believe you're going against friend of the program and future co-host Austin Eckler. What are you thinking? I'm not going against Austin Eckler. Eckler's had great games against the Raiders. He will continue to have great games against the Raiders. Whether Eckler is like plus 20 or 40 or 50,000 to win MVP, which we'll get into later, I think Austin Eckler is an outstanding candidate to have one of those just crazy run all over the field, catch everything, score every touchdown seasons. It's nothing. You know I love Austin Eckler. However, 
Devontae Adams is going to make a big difference. And Raider Nation has looked at this game all summer because of their schedule. They got to, they, they're, they're focused on having to win this game. I just think, you know, those, these teams play close games. It's going to be sloppy. Um, we're going to find out about the Raiders offensive line because the Chargers certainly have a great defensive line. The Raiders offensive line has been a mess, but I can see a pretty low scoring close game here. The line was six and a half a couple of weeks ago. Low scoring. These are two juggernaut offenses. Come on, man. It's going to be a mess one way or another is what I'm saying. A mess. It's going to be a mess. What's the over under in this game? 52 and a half. Low scoring. Well, I mean, with respect to the line. That's the second highest total on the board after the Chiefs-Cardinals game. Right. And I think the under is not a terrible bet. Stick to tennis, Keating. Stick to tennis. Yeah. Well, all right. What's your second pick? The second pick, this is this. I have less to say about this. This is just about the talent gap between these two teams. I'm going with Arizona plus six against Kansas City. Two words, Rondale Moore. That's it. Against Sky Moore. It's the Battle of the Moors. We don't know just how prolific the Chiefs offense is going to continue to be. And Arizona could be pretty good. There's my sophisticated analysis. Analytic systems like FPI or 538 are giving Arizona greater than a 40% chance of winning this game. The implied odds are down near 30% at a spread of six. And um, I think Kyler Murray is going to light it up. So, uh, you know, there's not, as you say, there's not a lot of attractive options. As I would love to pick a long shot, a, a true long shot. I cannot, I just don't have it in me to go for the Jets or you, or or Houston. Houston could get into a shootout. They could they could easily lose by twenty, you know, three or four touchdowns. So going with the Cardinals against the Chiefs. All right, Haverstrow, how do you follow that one up? I'm going to go with uh, my hometown, New England Patriots. I'm going to go Pats plus three and a half. I already took a, a long shot. I'm going with a team that's right there on the cusp. Pats at Dolphins. New head coach for the Dolphins. I am not so big on Tyreek Hill and Tua being uh, high chemistry going right off the bat. They're going to need a few games to figure things out. So I think this is a perfect opportunity for Bill Belichick to take advantage of the Dolphins, even though he's going on the road. I'm taking Pats plus 3.5 over the Dolphins. I think Tua and his receivers are more likely to have instant chemistry than whoever's playing for the Bears. I really think the Patriots could just be terrible, though. Also, your hometown Patriots. Yeah, really. You're a Giants fan. I mean, Connecticut is Connecticut is is New England. It's not New York. You could have said the Panthers. You could have said the Giants, even the Jets. But the Patriots? The Giants don't even play in New York. They play in New Jersey. Just because you're a Red Sox fan. It's two states over. The Patriots didn't move to Hartford. That was like 20 years ago. Okay, okay. God, do you remember how close that was? That was, yeah. That would have been wild. Closer than a Victor Kayam shave. <laughs> I'm going to wrap this up. This is disgusting. Oh, no. I feel dirty even saying this. Wow. Don't do it. Oh, no. Don't do no. it. No. It's not the New York team you think I'm going to take. Yeah, that's right. I'm taking the Jets. Oh! Which is funny because I actually think I might take the Ravens as one of my survival pool picks, which we're going to get into shortly. But. Getting a touchdown at home, the Jets just announced Joe Flacco is starting, which I actually think will help them. I think he'll be a more competent QB early in the season than Zach Wilson. You've got the you've got the revenge narrative, of course, Flacco going against the Ravens. I think the Jets have really improved their overall talent. The line was solid last year and should only be better. 
They brought in Brees Hall. He and Carter are a good running back duo. We love Elijah Moore here on this show, along with Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, Braxton Berrios. I think they can score some points. And that defense, you've got some defensive linemen, Quentin Williams, who can play. I worry a little bit about the secondary, but I'm not sure that's as big an issue against a run-oriented Ravens team. So I think the Jets can score some points and keep this thing close, even if they don't win outright. Guys, what do you think? Jordan, I'm going to put you on the spot. Are you ready? There's at least four plausible candidates. Which player from the New York teams, both New York teams, do you think is going to have the best, either finish highest in rookie of the year voting or break out somehow have the best rookie season? You think it's going to be Brees Hall? No. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it depends how you evaluate that, right? But, you know, if you, how do you compare a running back who's splitting carries with, uh, and Evan Neal, who's blocking. Right? Well, who do you think is going to finish highest in the Rookie of the Year vote? Well, no offensive linemen are ever voted in Rookie of the Year. So, yes. All right. At the end of the year, when the three of us say, gosh, that guy had a great season and he's just a rookie, which player is most likely for sophisticated analysts like ourselves to appreciate the most? I think Evan Neal will be the highest regarded. I think Sauce Gardner and then Thibodeau. Yeah. Followed by Brees Hall and then Garrett Wilson. How about that? Okay. I thought you might say, given this pick, but you might say you're expecting a humongous year out of the gate from Gardner. I think they're going to split carries with Brees Hall and Michael Carter. And then, you know, Sauce, I, rookie corners can struggle here and there. I think he'll be fine this week, though. So, guys, to recap, I am going with the Jets plus seven and the Steelers plus six and a half. Tom has countered with the Bears plus seven and the Pats plus three and a half. And Peter is going with the Cardinals at home against the Chiefs plus six and the Raiders plus three and a half against the Chargers. Part of my thinking here also is we might see the line move and a couple of these three and a halves might be off the board in an hour. So yeah, a little bit of strategy there. I'm excited. We not only have these these picks, but we also have our underdogs dogs that we uh, drafted last week. So I am rooting hard for the Texans and the Jags, even though the Jags are not available. I just couldn't I couldn't pull the trigger on the Texans and double down on them this week. Do you care about not contradicting each other? Like, are you are you ever going to pick one of your underdog underdog draft teams? Oh, absolutely. You're going to go against one of them to lose in one of the upcoming weeks of the weekly dogs? Why would I show my cards? Why not leave the suspense? You'll have to find out on the next time we do this draft. So one place, look, we are the underdogs podcast. I, I have I have the team ranking guys working on an AI algorithm right now to predict which dogs you guys are going to pick for the rest of the season. That's good. That's good. You just totally hip-checked Jordan on doing a segue into the next segment. <laughs> and you delivered. I got I to admit, it was pretty good. We are the Underdogs podcast, but one place where you don't like underdogs is in a survival pool. So we're going to talk with Jason Lisk, team rankings, pool genius, right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. All right, as promised, we are now joined by Jason Lisk of TeamRankings.com. If you are not familiar with Team Rankings and their suite of tools and analytical advice, what's wrong with you? Because... This is my go-to place, particularly for survival pool analysis, and that is precisely why we have Jason on the show today. Jason, welcome. Thank you. And and can I point out, I've got this nice banner behind me, Pool Genius. So we've kind of rebranded. We're still Team Rankings, and we've still got the site, but the pool stuff, the pool products and, and things are under the name Pool Genius. We thought that makes more sense uh, to market going forward. Uh, to have the specific pool stuff under that brand name. so And I'm going to be having a podcast that we're going to be starting up soon uh, where we talk pools under that as well. Now, Peter often refers to himself as the pool genius. So did you trademark this? No, I mean, there can be more than one. Uh, there, there's there's another one out there. There's a guy out there with the with the handle somewhere, and I, I won't get into into him, but let's just say there's an interesting character that, that already has a Twitter handle. Do you need us to muscle... You know, muscle now. Maybe, maybe we can do that. Well, it's funny you ask because joining the show right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. What do those guys do? Swimming pools? Is that why? Is that why they took the name? I think so. Yes, there's a swimming pool guy. We find Pool Genius online as an app. Where can where can people find your work under the new brand? So, if you're on Team Rankings, for example, there's now three tabs up top. If you see it, Team Rankings, Bet IQ, and Pool Genius. So, kind of the betting picks are under Bet IQ, Pool Genius. If you click on that. Survivor picks, football pick em picks, March Madness when that comes around, all that stuff, all tied together. So if you have an account with one, it's all together. Nothing really has changed. So let's dive in here. Yep. Dive into the pool. Wow. <laughs> we dive into the pool. It's yeah. week one. <laughs> Everyone's starting their survival pools. Some people call it death pools, knockout pools. This, The basic premise, if you're unfamiliar with this type of a pool, you pick a team each week to win. You can't use them again the rest of the season. And you go as long as you can. So this week, week one is always hard to begin with because we don't have a full sense of who's good. The other thing I want to ask you about is the biggest favorites on the board this week are almost all road teams. You've got New Orleans at, at Atlanta. you got San Francisco at Chicago, Denver at Seattle, Indianapolis at Houston, and Baltimore at the Jets. Generally, it's a no-no to pick road teams. You've got some divisional matchups in there too, which is even crazier. So, Jason, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? Well, well, uh, it's interesting you bring all that up because, first of all, we are agnostic um, when it comes to that. Like you say, you shouldn't pick road teams. You should pick road teams if they're a better option than the home teams. Um, home field advantage is built into most models and betting lines, and so. Um, Yes. Would we prefer that the Colts were playing the Texans at home and the line was 11? Absolutely. Right. Um, because they, they would be a safer pick if they were playing in Indianapolis. Um, but this is just a weird week because because you got you got like the NFL set up like the Buffalo Rams game, Bucks, Cowboys. A lot of like the teams you you really want to use for sure all year in Survivor aren't, aren't even tempting this week. And then you have teams that are pretty good 
the Ravens, the Colts, the Broncos, teams that are playoff contenders. Um, and they're almost universally on the road, as you pointed out. Um, so it, it makes for that extra layer on week one, right? Um, risk with road teams, risk with the uncertainty. And right now, as you said, only one team, there are no teams favored by more than seven points. So it makes for a very interesting week. So there's going to be a lot of death at the deep end this week. Yeah. Yes. Uh, wow. Yeah. I think the expected uh, survival rate, because you, you can kind of add that up, right? You do the math percentage of picking each team and their win odds. We're roughly running at around 69 to 70% to expected to survive. That's the that's slightly lower than last year's week one because last year we had I, the, the the three biggest favorites kind of shot up with late line movement the 49ers Rams and Bucks they all won the Bucks narrowly but there was one week last year that was lower than this I don't know if you all remember it Thanksgiving <laughs> remember Thanksgiving week with the Cowboys Cowboys were the biggest favorite at seven points that was a wipeout week the Cowboys lost uh, the Eagles lost I think to the Giants that week. Um, and so that was a, a week that had tough decisions and this is going to be similar. Uh, they're, they're just, a, um, yeah, you should, you should plan on it being a risky situation, but all survivor pools are risk. I guess at this point of the year, we talk about the uncertainty. We don't know who's good. We don't have a lot of information. Should you be looking down the calendar at like, I want to save my team for this date, or do you just throw that out the window? Cause we just don't know anything at this point. Yeah, absolutely. You want to look at the calendar. You want to look ahead. Obviously, we don't have perfect information, but we have information. I mean, am I pretty certain like the bills are going to be good? Yes, I'm pretty certain they are. Uh, am I pretty certain like uh, the Ravens, as long as Lamar Jackson is playing, are better than last year? Yes, I think they're a playoff contender. Um, so you want to look ahead. Well, we have that in our tools, by the way. We have a tool, uh, a, uh, a season planner tool. You can like click on each week and it sorts it by our projected win odds. So those are based on like look ahead lines plus our power ratings. And so you can see that. And so, yeah, you want to definitely have in mind setting up the season as you make your picks throughout because you're not going to make it through a survivor pool if you don't plan ahead. Generally, how far ahead? How yep. tall do you construct that tree? Because I know there are people who are complete obsessives who will go through the whole schedule, find what they think the most likely wins are for the whole season, kind of work their way back to not wasting those teams. But then you can get into like looking at week 12 or week 10 when you have, you know, like a Buffalo Bill you know, versus Chicago matchup or something. How far ahead do you generally recommend people plan? There's some qualifiers to this answer. Uh, it depends on what kind of pool you're playing in, how big it is. And what the rules are, right? If you're playing in, let's say, a 50-person pool, you probably don't want to give equal weight or plan out like week 13, 14, 15 quite as heavily. Um, you know, you'll deal with that if it gets there because it may not, right? You, you may get wiped out before. If you're playing in one of these, yeah, I, I played in one last year, like a couple thousand entries that has a multi-pick week in, in late in the year, like uh, week 13, you definitely want to plan out. Because you, there's at least a decent chance you have to go all the way, and so uh, obviously things the further out things are, the more they can change, and so you want to give a little less weight anyway. But you definitely want to at least have it planned for, um, even if you're even if you're flexible on that plan. So that's interesting because I've done one that has about 300 entrants, you know, for several years now. They do two double pick weeks, week eight, week thirteen, but I've never in week one or two really looked far ahead because to me it's all about getting 
if you do multiple entries, and I've done three in the past, we're, we're doing five this year, and it's about just getting navigating the first couple weeks of uncertainty because then an injury happens, a team isn't as good as you thought they were, another team picks up. I've, I've never really had a week where I didn't have someone I felt pretty good about picking. So, I mean, how would you, how would you navigate that calculus of, well, you know, I do see that Indianapolis is a potential week eight selection for me. But in a double pick week, but it's week one. It's one of only two or three games I even feel good about. How we do it with with our site is we have customized picks for every pool you enter. And so uh, I'll give you an example. Like I've got some that have multi pick weeks later in the year, and so it's treating different teams differently, uh, and it's making kind of those borderline calls. Like you mentioned, the Colts. The Colts, I think, have a couple useful weeks maybe before then. There's a team, I'm trying to think if it's the Ravens. Their best week after this week is like week 14 or 15 or 16. Yeah, it's the Ravens week 16 against Atlanta. Yeah, and so that one's sticking out there, but they don't have a whole lot. They have some possible weeks before then. So, well, if you're in a multi-pick week in week 16, and there are maybe some other spots to use them, maybe the Ravens make a lot of sense more so than, in, say, a small pool where you're not going to get to week 16. Uh, and so how our our... Our pool treats, it's not like it locks them in. It doesn't say, oh, you're taking the Ravens at 16. It just assigns a little future value and assigns that in kind of the weighting algorithm. And so in that kind of pool, the Ravens are going to get pushed down our grade for this week because it's like, oh, they might be a little more valuable in this type of pool where you need to pick later in week 16. And so it's going to kind of massage those things and have different grades depending on the size multi-pick weeks and when you tell us you know all, all the various rules strikes strikes are another one right and to your point so the highest grades you have this week are actually uh the saints at atlanta and the niners at chicago but actually the saints you guys give a 72 percent chance of winning that's behind indy at 78 percent, baltimore at 78 percent. so that, that's precisely your point right the model you guys have is weighing all those factors together right Right. And what you see, like, so you're seeing a, a grade and, and it has the Saints the highest, right? Yes. I opened a different pool that I have and it has the Saints second behind San Francisco. So you're going to, it's, they're going to be close, but it's going to massage those things based on factors. Like New Orleans is probably going to be more attractive in a larger pool or in a pool with strikes because they have less future value than the 49ers. There's less weeks when you're like, oh, I have to use them in the future. And so it's going to be like in a larger pool, you want to take more risk. Well, why is that? Well, a lot of a lot of reasons. Partially, you want to distinguish yourself from a crowd. That's not really an issue in week one. We don't have high popularity, but you want to if you had your druthers, you'd want to be on the less popular route. And so that's one factor. The other is that, you know, with like a strike pool or something, you want to take those risks because the pool is going to go longer. If, the, if everybody gets a strike, it. it it just means people have one more chance to come back from it. Pools are going to extend several more weeks into the season. And so you got to have more options available to you. The more options you need in the future, the more risk you take now. And then from a life quality standpoint, uh, would I rather like take big swings <laughs> now and then not have to stress if I get knocked out in the first month? Or do I want to be like pissed that I don't have any options on Thanksgiving because I didn't plan ahead and I put in three months into it? So I'm guessing what you're saying about the size of pools and pools with strikes also applies in a similar way to casual leagues. Let's say there's 20 guys at a bar, right, in yeah, a pool yeah. where if you get to week 13 or 14 and three people are tied for first place, right? sometimes those leagues just call off the rest of the season and split the money because there can be three winners who don't mind splitting that. So yes. 
in that case, any work you've done for week 16 or 17 or any risks you've foregone are completely wasted. And it, and it pays to front load your risk even more, right? And take your chances when you can, when you know the pool's actually going to be running. That's kind of true. <laughs> no, I agree. Oh, so I agree with that. Uh, I don't think people could force you to pot split, right? You're talking about a pot split. Probably not, right? If I had a great, if I like had Buffalo the next week and these other people had nothing, I'd be like, mm, I'm going to need a little more money than a third to, to split with you. I'm going to need you to take on, give me something since I saved Buffalo. That's how I would do it. Uh, but but I, your larger point is correct. Yes, you 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 get to these situations. I, I also think it's less less important to have like, the reason you want to have like a Buffalo or a team late after everybody else has used them is because let's say they're an 80%, 85% favorite late and nobody can use them. Well, if you got 50 people left and, and you got half the pool on this really risky pick, that's a great pick. If you're down to one or two opponents, honestly, it's, it's a lot, the, it's a lot more haphazard. You, you may not be able to put them on a pick. You may not be able to cover them, all that stuff. And so um, you want those high leverage picks when there's significant gains to be make, made in your pot odds. So last year, we had a situation where there was a lot of carnage. So by week 10, yeah. our pool was down to a, a manageable number of people. What I remember is we were really struggling between what seemed like a number of good picks. For a while, we were on Pittsburgh against Detroit, but then we found out Roethlisberger wasn't playing. Um, there was a whole bunch of stuff. So to what Peter was saying is the other thing that has opened up now that sports betting is legal in so many places is an ability to hedge without pot splitting. So what we did is we bet a couple different underdogs. Um, we ended up going with, um, we ended up settling. That was right. It was on the, the Cardinals were at home against the Panthers, even without Kyler Murray. We felt pretty good about that. Well, things went our way early for everyone else who was picked, the Lions Steelers ended in a tie. Washington upset Tampa. Ravens lost on Thursday night to Miami that week. Exactly. So like everything went the right way. And then of course the the we had put some money though at great uh money line odds on on the Panthers just in case. So sure enough, the you know, the Cardinals completely shit the bed at home. We got knocked out too, but we ended up profiting because we had this option. Um but again, I I, I feel like that week there were still really good options, right? Like, so I keep thinking about, well, if I'd, if I'd really thought down the road in week one, would I even have gotten there and had that chance to make some money by hedging? Yeah. Hedging, I, I guess it depends. The, the hedging strategy you talked about depends on how many people are left and how many options you have left. Like last year, I, I won a pool and I hedged with Tennessee in the last week. And I specifically picked Tennessee rather than say Washington because I could get better hedging odds uh, in that situation, I was like, well, I'll make more if Tennessee loses, um, than I would if I pick Washington and I take that money line. So that, that was an option. Um, yeah, mid season. I think, I think there are, there are lots of things there. Um, you're not going to run out of picks by mid season, but you can set yourself up for success. If you plan ahead, um, uh, not only by looking at win odds, but like popularity, you mentioned Pittsburgh. Here's an example. Like, when our future value estimates and our tools and what we give advice for uh, also tries to project future pick popularity. So it's not just looking at win odds. Not, hmm. not like, oh, we think Pittsburgh will be a 10-point favorite. We're looking at like 
which teams we think will be less popular. So Las Vegas in week seven, you got the Bengals versus the the Falcons. You've got the Chargers versus Seattle and you've got Las Vegas versus Houston. So, I mean, three, three good options right now. We don't know how it'll shake out by then, but if you look at like their previous schedules, there's almost no chance anybody will pick the Raiders anytime before then. And people are going to look at that and probably say, this is my chance to use the Raiders, right? Mm-hmm. Versus the Chargers are going to be used heavily weeks three, weeks four, maybe save for after. So if I'm thinking of a game theory standpoint, sure, the risk isn't any greater. But if I'm trying to catch other people like really loading up on a team, I may be setting up to avoid the Raiders that way. because I'm like, maybe I'll catch 40 percent of the pool on the Raiders, even though the risk isn't any greater for those people. That's my opportunity to, to catch people kind of like loading up. This is really interesting because you're trying to project behavior down the line. And it's almost like the smarter that the pool gets, the more you have to like outsmart the smart pool. So like you have to almost like zag when everyone's zigging like, oh, yeah, the math used to say, yeah, you got to wait on Vegas to go, uh, you know, week seven uh, against Houston. But now you have to kind of like reverse engineer this. And it's almost like your tools are trying to predict human behavior down the line, which is actually really fascinating. It, it is. It's uh, I mean, you can, you're not going to predict every every case, but I mean, people are fairly predictable in some cases. I mean, if the Raiders make it to that point and are about as good as we expect, I expect them to be popular. I don't know how. I mean, they it, they may be 35 percent. They may be 45 percent. And the right answer may depend on those percentages. Right. Do I avoid them or not? Yeah. But it's at least in the realm of possibility that, that sets up as a week to to kind of catch people, because that's how you want like. Last year, week eight, Bengals, right? Remember the Bengals Jets? Oh, yes. Bengals were not the biggest favorite that week, but most people had used either the Rams, the Chiefs, or I'm trying to think if it was the Bills. There were three other teams that you could have taken at similar win odds, but everybody was concentrating on the Bengals, and that presents an opportunity if you are a plan ahead. It's not just plan ahead. It's plan ahead to catch these pot odd situations where you can eliminate half the pool if the right result hits. Let me ask you about the back testing that goes into adding features like that. Do you and your colleagues think of cool features you'd like to add and then see how well they work? Or is there is is there even something more meta than that where you have something looking for the right kind of approaches to refine your models with? First of all, I'll say that this particular thing predates me, but we're always trying to think of, of updates we can Play. And we get suggestions from our customers, our subscribers all the time, too. And we'll see, you know, we're a small business. It's like, what do we have time to implement uh, and when and what's our priority? But um, in this case, I think it was just like, hey, we know that's important, right? You win pools by winning games and other people's lo- and other people losing. It's a zero sum game to win a survivor pool or to, you know, a small sum game to end up in a pot split. But basically, you win when you when you make choices that others don't. Um, and so projecting, you know, that kind of thing comes from modeling like past behavior and past estimates and and then refining, like you see what, you know, where our estimates good in the years past, like, because we're going to be very broad early on, like our week 13 projections probably going to be concerned. We're going to be off. We're going to be under some cases. We're going to be over. Some teams will be poor. Some teams will be even a bigger favorite. And so, um, we're trying to hit that middle ground of like, Okay, this team is reasonably likely to 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 be an option and, and and they might have popularity if they do. All right. So before we let you go, 
two quick questions. If you had to bank on one or two teams this week, you just want to survive. Who do you have the most confidence in? And if you're doing multiple entries, let's say, let's take my example where I have five. How many unique picks would you make? Okay. I'm going to take the second question first. Yeah, I just violated everything I ever learned about not asking multi-part questions. So go ahead. <laughs> no, that's a good one. because, And I think that one's more broadly applicable. That comes into like uh, portfolio strategy and how should you uh, view using multiple picks. We advise using, put, put lots of entries in and hit it, right? You want to you have chances. Um, Here's the thing about survivor pools. They're high-risk ventures. Your chances of winning a large pool are, what, less than 1% if you're in over a 100-person pool. Um, so they're high-risk ventures. You can't be too conservative, meaning I would not spread out your picks across five games. Then you're basically mirroring the behavior of everybody in your pool, and your elimination rates are going to match the pool. Well, if you if you match the pool over time, you're a loser, right? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be out. Because most people are out by week five, six, seven. Um, so you got to take some stands. That said, the reason to play portfolio is so you're not completely concentrated on one team with all your picks. So the right answer is probably with five, it's probably either two different teams or three, depending on if you wanted to go like three, two, 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 one, depending on how close some of them were. Uh, that's generally going to be the right answer. I probably with five don't want to go four or five teams because then I'm just too spread out. Um, but I want to diversify a little bit because, because your goal is to get to like mid season with a couple entries and then you can play it out. Right. That's your goal. Um, as for this week. So I think lots of things can change. I'll be honest with you. Um, I think there are, here, here's the one I I'm, I'm confident we're going to fade Tennessee. We're going to fade Tennessee. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Because you're talking to three Giants fans? <laughs> you know, I didn't even know, you know, that you all were Giants fans. But, you know, A, yeah, yeah, let's talk about Tennessee and Giants. They're the only home team that is in a non-divisional game. For all the people that are like, I never pick road teams. For all people that have that bias, this is their fallback. And because a portion of your pool is going to have that bias, that's why we're seeing their EV or expected value lower than the other options. Because their win odds are lower, but they have similar popularity to these others. Well, you don't want to be on the team with similar popularity, but a worse chance of winning. So either you accept that the Vegas markets are correct, or you're like, oh, no, I like Tennessee because they're a home team. So we're probably fading them. Tennessee, practically, also, Harold Landry was injured last week, out for the year. Lots of receiver turnover with Tennessee. Lots of question marks. That's why the market's down on them, by the way. But I don't think the casual fan is picking those things up. Meanwhile, the Giants are a high-variance team this year, right? New coach. Yes. That's one way to describe them. <laughs> we're going to look back at this line, five and a half. It's going to be off either way. Like, when we look back, we're going to think, I can't believe that line was five and a half because either, like, it should have been close to a pick em, or the Giants are terrible again, and how were they only getting five and a half points, right? I'm fine being on the opposite side of that variance, like, by basically avoiding Tennessee. So that's the one team I'm confident we're avoiding. Well, Jason... Thank you so much for being here. As I mentioned, you know, we've been doing stuff with your site since, gosh, back when Peter and I were launching Giant Killers at ESPN and we were talking to Tom about March Madness tools. And 
If you guys haven't been there, even though it's being rebranded as Pool Genius, visit teamrankings.com. That's right. Check out their suite of tools. These guys are smart. They think like fans. They want to help you. And they've helped me over the years. So check it out. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. There's no need to fear or quaver. Underdog is here to save her. Underdog. Thank you to Jason List from Team Rankings. I am now going to survive the survivor pool. Thank you for, uh, for joining us. And we've got some more NFL picks to make. That's right. It's time for underdog MVP and Super Bowl winner picks. I am curious to hear Jordan. You've already said that you love the Jets this week. I'm curious to see if you have Zach Wilson as your MVP underdog. Yeah, I'm going with the Zach Wilson Jets Super Bowl combo. No, um, I do have a combo, though, for my two picks because, you know, I, I don't want to waste too much time. So let's get right to it. Gosh, you know, I wanted to pick a somewhat long shot, right? So the, the Chargers I like a lot, but they're plus 1400. That wasn't long enough. So I'm going to go with the Colts Ooh. at plus 2500. Love that offensive line still. Love Jonathan Taylor. I'm hoping their defense can improve a little bit. And I'm banking on Matt Ryan having something left in a change of scenery where he's well protected by his line, has a good running game. I think he could really, really light things up this year. So that's why I'm also going with Matt Ryan as my long shot MVP candidate at plus eight. Plus 8,000. Nice. If the Colts do really, really, really well this year and he has a sort of throwback season, I could see a lot of narratives talking about sort of the latest veteran quarterback to switch teams and lead a playoff run. So I'm I'm buying the Matt Ryan success narrative with the Colts there. So Colts plus 2,500, Matt Ryan plus 8,000. I love this pick. Uh, Did not see you going with the Colts. I am actually going to go with the Cards plus 4,000, Arizona Cardinals. You already heard me. Uh, The grimace, the grotesque screams from inside my... Okay, I won't even go that that deep into my body, but I'm just saying I love that pick from Peter on the Cardinals pick on the weekly dogs. I'm actually going to go with Kyler Murray doubling down as you did with the Colts, Kyler Murray and the cards. I think there's been a lot of discussion about that contract. I think there's a lot of value in picking a team that's going to get one of their best players halfway through the year. It doesn't seem like they have a great Super Bowl chance now, but I do think at the end of the season when Rondale, Rondale Moore runs away with the most improved kid, do they even have most improved in, in the NFL? I don't even think so. Just come back, right? Yeah, come they have the player. comeback award, right? Comeback player yeah. of the year, yeah. I love the chances of him having a breakout season, and I'm going to go with the cards right now at plus 4,000 for the Super Bowl winner, and then for Kyler Murray, plus 2,000 along with Lamar Jackson So and Jalen Hurts. So I got Kyler Murray, another mobile quarterback, along with Hurts and, and Jackson. I'm actually going to go MVP Kyler Murray here. So you're going with a top 10 MVP candidate as your long shot. Yeah, I mean, if you want to do the old Tide thing, I think it's top 13, sure. Well, I thought it was anybody uh, – you're always criticizing me for picking guys who are not real long shots, but I thought we just had to have somebody in four digits. I I think it's insulting that Carla Murray at plus 2,000, Jalen Hurts at plus 2,000 are right there with Lamar Jackson. How many quarterbacks – and it's oh, the MVP is almost always a quarterback. I mean, we'd love to pick Aaron Donald as a long shot, but – I don't even know where he is on the board, but it's always a quarterback. How many quarterbacks have already posted MVP level numbers who are young enough to do it again, 
who are talented enough to do it again, and whose team is going to improve. Lamar Jackson is easily capable of getting thir- throwing for 35 or 36 touchdowns again and running for 1,200 yards again. I'm sorry, throwing for how many touchdowns? His career high is 36 touchdowns a couple of years ago. That's right. And they, and, and also, Jordan, his, his vertical, I mean, his, his depth of target, even when he was hurt last year, was third in the league. I mean, the offense is still built around him to have a lot of explosive plays. And he should not be plus two that. I think, and all this talk about his contract, listen, research has shown that players don't form, perform particularly well in their contract years. I mean, we all think that because we're all told this is their contract years. But they perform where players actually perform better, or if there's any effect at all, is in the first year of big new contracts because any employees are just as likely to want to demonstrate their value after they get a lot of money than they are to work harder to get more money. So I don't care when Lamar Jackson's contract situation is settled, if it is. He's going to go out there and he's going to kick ass. In the last four games of the season last year when Lamar Jackson was hurt, the Ravens lost by two, one, one, and three points. You don't think he's worth a point and a half difference to this team if then they would have had four more wins so i'm going with lamar jackson as mvp plus 2000 and the ravens and look if you think the ravens aren't a big enough long shot fine yeah why didn't you just take the bills peter because the bills are plus what 280 and the ravens are plus 2000 jordan it's a little thing called math a little (laughs) thing called numbers and if you want my pick to be baltimore to win the super bowl instead of to get to the super bowl Fine. You can pick conference champions. I'll pick Baltimore as a Super Bowl winner. No, no, no. We were all picking Super Bowl winners. Well, there you go. That was the game. Super Bowl winners, not conference champions. I offered to give a little bit of that back to you, but if you don't want to, that's fine. We'll stick with Lamar Jackson and Baltimore. There you go. There's your winners. Great. So we all went with a, a team and QB combo. Is there anything else on the board that and the MVP board that you like? I was looking at the the, the the mix of guys at plus 15,000, you have everyone from from Aaron Donald, who might be the best player in football, to Daniel Jones, to Micah Parsons, to Desmond Ritter, who isn't even starting, and they're all plus 15,000. A.J. Dillon is plus 15,000. So is Travis Kelsey. You know, on DraftKings right now, Eckler's at plus 10,000. That's not a crazy bet at all. I saw Eckler... With even higher odds, some plus twenty thousand at a Vegas Insider, which I also think, you know, I think the Chargers are a real, real Super Bowl threat. And if if they end up with like the best record in the league this year, and he has another, if he doesn't suffer from touchdown regression and puts up a twenty touchdown season, you know, putting five bucks on our future co-hosts right now is is not a bad idea, especially with Marcus Mariota and and uh, Ryan Tannehill also at plus ten thousand. Davis Mills is plus 10,000. <laughs> All right, but I, I will say this. Ever talk ever since talking with Casey Joyner, Davis Mills should be on this show's radar. He's going to put up a ton of points, maybe win one game or something, but he, I feel like he is going to put up a ton of points. Not in the MVP race, though. Well, boys, I think that's enough NFL for one episode. There is another flavor of football going on, and that's college football. Guys, I think we learned – some interesting things in 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 week one. First of all, in my case, don't bet on Oregon plus 16 and a half points against Georgia. That didn't go well. No, it didn't. Don't bet against Georgia. What are you thinking? I wasn't thinking. I was with my brother-in-law who's from Oregon and I got carried away. 
It's just stupid. Oh, yes. Yes. As May says, underducks. Yeah, not so much. They were not all they were quacked up to be, sadly. <laughs> oh, wow. That was good. Peter liked that one. <laughs> wing, wing, wing. Hello. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Wake Forest is back. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's happening. Sam Hartman cleared to play following blood clot issue. The Heisman, future Heisman uh, Trophy winner is back on the Demon Deacon sideline going against Vandy this weekend. Yeah, we, we did pretty well against VMI last week, but I'm telling you what, guys, Wake Forest Demon Deacons football is back. And you know who's not back? The LSU Tigers. They're not. Yeah, so I was going to ask who you're rooting for more, the team you picked or the team you, the school you went to. Yeah, I was rooting for um, you know, Kelly to to have a better second half and that whole it was a disaster at the end. Don't even want to get into it, but already I'm regretting not taking the Seminoles as my underdog crashing the playoff party. It looks like LSU has to win out in the SEC just to get there now that they lost the last second heartbreaking fashion. Yeah, so remember, as a reminder, we each took a team that wasn't in the top 25 to start the season as a team that could finish uh, the season in the playoff. A very rare thing in in college football playoff history, but not impossible. So Tom did go with LSU. I, of course, went with you know my favorite school in all the land, the North Carolina Tar Heels. And uh, <laughs> they did play a memorable game. They did win. Of course, they also gave up 40 points in the fourth quarter to Appalachian State. But, uh, you know, they are... Still, you know, unbeaten. So there's that going for them. Otherwise, I, I, I'm quickly losing hope and faith in in that pick. Yeah, Penn. My my pick, Penn State, uh, ground out a victory over Purdue, which is not exactly inspiring uh, championship dreams, but it is a win. It was a good win. The team analytically closer to my heart, which I couldn't pick because we were only picking teams I believe that had switched coordinators, right? Because that was a signal for deep underdog success. You didn't have to, but it was a nice a nice little signal. Right. It, it was recommended. Yeah, it was one of our research findings. Um, but, I, but the team we talked about a few weeks before that, Mississippi State, went on a crushing offensive display. And, you know, they appear to have their kicking problem solved because all their kicker had to do was kick seven extra points. So I would keep an eye on Mississippi State and the, uh, the SEC. I also wanted to bring up um, – now, we're not a political show. Stay with me for one second. You, I'm, I'm sure you saw the poll recently, a national poll that showed Joe Biden and Donald Trump in a very close two-man race. But when you threw Liz Cheney into it, Trump would beat Biden and Liz Cheney would run third. My point is not to bring up anything political but to say – Obviously, we would all agree that Liz Cheney would be a long shot to win a presidential race, right? What is what is happening? Even though, stick with me. He didn't even take a breath. You said one second. No, here we go. Because she's running third. Now, there are a lot of people run for president, right? Dozens of fringe candidates. But I just want to point out, we'd all agree that the person running third, what we all think should be a two-man race, would be a long shot. I bring this up because... We all, the whole world is looking at a three-team race for the college football championship. And so if you bring up basically any other team, okay, from Bethune-Cookman to uh, Ohio State, like they're going to be a long shot because the, the rankings are so top-heavy with three top teams. Therefore, I will come back and say my original pick, whose odds have dramatically improved since we first talked about this, since I was mocked for choosing them, 
USC should be considered a long shot because there's only three teams that aren't long shots. You were not allowed to pick a top 25 team, period. They weren't ranked in some polls. And in one poll, they were 15. They were ranked in the poll we were using. They were ranked 15th the week after. That's correct. Anyway, I'm just saying, by any reasonable definition, USC- I clearly should have been allowed to take Alabama, okay? Trash the party. No, obviously not. Anyway- USC, Liz Cheney, remember it. Fine. Who's your pick right now of any team in the country outside the top three to make that fourth spot? That wasn't the game. We're not doing this again. I'm just saying. You can't do this, Peter. We're not doing it over saying any team would be a reasonable answer because there's only three teams in the country that aren't underdogs. That's that's all. I just wanted to bring up that argument again. I feel like we need to refresh him on what it means to be an underdog. Also say this. Of the three big teams – the three ranked teams that had that, that lost last week, you know they're going to plunge way down in the polls and then climb their way back up. I think it would be really interesting to see which of those teams, LSU, Notre Dame, Utah, will win or maybe run the, run the table and win out. At this, I mean, at this stage, every every single game each of those teams plays could be the last game of their season. That's pretty wild. Hold on, I just want to watch go Utah. Back to watch Utah. There no, you go. No, I just want to point out something again. We had very clear rules that you had to pick a team outside of the top twenty-five. He invented three games, new games for us. USC in the AP poll, preseason AP poll was ranked fourteenth. USC in the preseason coaches poll was ranked fifteenth. What part of that are you having trouble understanding? 15th. I, th- I thought being ranked 15th in a, in, a, in a sport where only three teams are going to matter <laughs> meant underdog. We said they had to be outside of the top 25. Sure, and you can keep screaming all you want. Peter, it's a little thing called math. So my team was Penn State. I'm just saying. So stop lamenting USC. In ter- terms of teams outside the viable universe of winners at this point, it's a team that we should find really intriguing because they're an agent of chaos. That's all. I'm not saying you cheated me out of a pick, Jordan. Oh. I'm just saying there's there's some interesting things out there to watch. Let me tell you which something. Which we might not have considered as underdogs hey. by our original rules. Okay, okay, okay. Let me tell you something right now. Let me tell you something right now. Oh, yeah. Trojans, Trojans. Wait for us, Demon Dickens. Trojans, top. Wait for us, Demon Dickens. Not eligible. You know why? Top 25. There you go, Mikey. Go, Dicks. Go, Dicks.